0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Conversations. I'm super excited about the interview this week. Uh, Today joining me we have Scotty Riggs. So in this interview we talk about a bunch of different topics, um, including Scotty's time in Memphis, how we got into WCW, um, traveling with um, Lex Luger and Sting, teaming with marcus bagwell and the american males we talk about scotty's time in, in ecw and wrestling rob van dam so this is a great great interview i want to make a note too before we start with that um, scotty had some internet connection uh, problems kind of throughout the interview here or there it's pretty minor i cleaned it up the best that i could but there's a couple times where he cuts out slightly but i think you're able to hear every every important detail in the interview so please give this conversation a listen Welcome back, everybody, to a very special edition of Wrestling Conversations. Um, joining us today is Scotty Riggs. Scotty, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, Matthew. How are you, brother?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's a, it's an honor to, to get to chat with you for a bit, so thank you for taking the time.
1: Oh, it's going to be a blast, man. It's always fun to do, uh, get together and um, either recall a few memories if you bring them up or you know, just have some fun chatting about what today's wrestling is, you know, it's so it's always
0: a good time all right appreciate it you know i um i always start probably the wrong way for a wrestling podcast too because i know i know you are a, a big cowboys fan yourself uh I'm, yeah just a little bit just a, just a little bit i'm a i'm a vikings fan and just a little uh, bit got a little,
1: there, got a little ink there I
0: There you go i can see it there yeah we go. i
1: just got that uh uh my birthday's march 1st and uh it, it, it came out a little bigger than I thought, but um, a guy did that for me for my birthday, and I was like, "Going okay." And uh, so they better win me a Super Bowl this year, or sometime soon for this ink.
0: Right, right, and they're having a pretty good year so far.
1: Pretty good, yeah. I mean, they're eight and three. You know, got to, we got, we've been stomping the guys who's supposed to stomp, but we haven't got the uh, the wins of the big names yet. So hopefully, we'll get that in the next couple of weeks.
0: Kind of tough being in the same division as 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 Philly. That's kind of a a, a tall task.
1: Yeah, well, Philly's only been good for the past couple of years. They haven't right. been like dominant forever, like the Cowboys have.
0: Yes, yeah, that's true. I, I'll give you credit. I'm a I'm a Vikings fan myself, and it's been kind of an up and down year uh, so far. Well, for, it's cold for you. You yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, we had a, we've we've had some injuries and we've had a lot of setbacks, but I'm hoping they still have a chance when once uh, Jefferson gets back in the lineup. Uh, we'll see. It's been kind of an up and down year, man.
1: Well, again, you never know, you know uh, how the NFC will play out.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. So, um, you know, I, I want to kind of get into some things for, for wrestling. So I want to do a little bit of, of, you know, some old school stuff talking about your career at the end. I want to at least talk about a little bit of current stuff if you've got the time, but, um, I want to start with, you know, I've listened to some other interviews that you've done too. I want to start with some of your time in Memphis. Um, I feel like that's a time that <laughs> I've, I've, uh, you know, I've heard you talk about a little bit, um, a lot of mixed reviews from other wrestlers back then that were working, uh, in Memphis, from what i've heard good place to get some experience really maybe, the, maybe the uh pay wasn't always maybe the greatest but what was it kind of your experience how did you get started in memphis
1: uh i mean it's, it's kind of a, a roundabout story um i was actually at center stage at a Night tv taping and um of all people Arn anderson walks up to me and um i just saw him this past weekend actually in uh in, Cade. Mm-hmm. and we chatted about it first time I've seen Oregon in 10-15 years but he pulled me aside at center stage that day and said kid you got a good look you got a great attitude you got some ability you need to get out of here and get some experience get some exposure This is going to really learn to craft goes, you're going to get stuck under a uh, ceiling here if you stick around here much longer mm-hmm. and I was like going man you know I, I was getting, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week doing TVs. I was actually working a few house shows here and there as a young guy, blah, blah, blah. They got me, you know, they're booking of stuff. Not a lot, but just enough you know, earned some extra bucks for those guys. And um was actually traveling with Jake Snake Roberts at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's a combination, isn't it. Or an some yeah. Jake Snake that I'm oh, traveling yeah. with. <laughs> and we went to do a Thanksgiving show in Cordell Georgia for Ben Masters, Peace State Wrestling. And very long I was there. And out of no way, no prompting or anything, Jake tells Jerry to start watching my match. So Jerry watches it. And we come back after that. It was actually wrestling Gorgeous George, Robbie, uh, Rob Kellum. <laughs> and um, so we we worked each other. So we had a good match. We had no idea Jerry was watching the match. And Lawler comes up me and goes, hey, uh, Scotty, would you want to maybe come to Memphis and wrestle a little bit? I said, um, yeah, and Art Anderson starts playing to my mind, get out of here. And mm-hmm. here's this out of the blue type, type mentality, you No, know, this thing happens. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, well, it's like this. I can't offer you a lot of money. it be 40 bucks a day, but you'll get experience and exposure. You'll wrestle six, seven times a week, mm-hmm. twice on Saturday with TV in the morning and then go to Nashville that night. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have anything tie me down. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, yeah. He goes, well, we'll call you first of the year and give you a certain date. Okay, and it was actually on January 1st. I was over at Glacier's house, Ray Lloyd. We were watching some games, mm-hmm. and uh, my phone rings. And It's uh, Randy Hale, who's the booker, mm-hmm. says, Uh, Scott, we got dates. It's gonna be January 4th or no, January 14th. Um, uh, be here uh, at the station, Channel 5 for TV, and we'll get you going that night. And we'll, we'll get to, we'll get things running for you, and pretty much. Went up, drove up there, uh, stayed at the Admiral Bimbo. So all the boys stayed, but I stayed at the wrong one. There's two of them, <laughs> I didn't know. one, I think in north, one south. And uh I stayed at the wrong one. None of the boys was there. I was looking around, that type of thing. Went to the station the next day and um saw Tommy Rich and Doug Gilbert, a couple guys I knew from from the independence of Georgia, and uh started rolling and uh was there for eight months, man
0: that's a yeah that's a pretty pretty long pretty long stretch that's a, there. Long
1: run, that's a long run for somebody who really wasn't you know known or or a star or anything like that and um uh, they just i got over with the fans was doing good and having a blast and to me the coolest thing about memphis was you you were being a wrestler mm-hmm. i mean you lived the life your hotels every night working out every day wrestling every day uh we you did Memphis on Mondays, Louisville on Tuesdays, Enville and Indiana on Wednesdays, Thursday, Fridays just brought Towns, and we had Memphis T V that Saturday morning and Nashville that, that Saturday night. And then I was living the life that I wanted. To, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I was living that life it was a blast. So even, It was rough, but it was a blast.
0: Even even you had a blast even with making that amount of money per day, but you think at, at that point it was just worth that to live that life and to have that exposure?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, I looked at like this. It was twenty bucks for a hotel, mm-hmm. ten bucks for gas, and ten bucks for food. And we sold you gimmick pictures and stuff like that. And the crazy thing mm-hmm. when I when I went there, that that I would, we took some pictures and stuff like that beforehand. So I uh, made some friends that made some pictures. Stuff. We knew about gimmick pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I took them up there, and these two ladies just came up and said, "Hey, we know you're the new guy. Uh, we'll sell your pictures for you. How much are they?" Da 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 da. da and they were like we'll help you out and mm-hmm. uh they really pushed my pictures so that night i think my first couple nights there i made like an extra 40 50 bucks so that was i was able to eat at waffle house that night you know so when you did you know, get on gimmicks you're able to eat a little bit you know stuff like that so um i kind of learned the tricks of the trade this time went on there mm-hmm. and just um it made it easier and then also with that 40 bucks you made um if the house was up and stuff like that, and if you were maybe first, second, third match, you pay one up a few extra bucks. So you got a paycheck every sure. two weeks. Okay. And it, it definitely was a. Um, I think I put like sixty thousand miles on my on my 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 blazer I had. I made less than six grand.
0: Oh wow! In eight months. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We got a lot of experience in exposure, man. There that was, that was not a lot of money, but, man, I wrestled, like, I was wrestling Tommy Ridge, uh, Promptown Brian Lee, Brian Christopher I was traveling with him, uh, just having a blast working these guys. And it gave me a lot of uh, chance to learn how to call a match, learn how to get a feel for the crowd, and just because every every week you're wrestling in the same town, it's four sure. times a week. So you have to be creative with what you're doing, so it won't look the same. Sure. So that really challenged me, and I was only wow, uh, two and a half years in the business when right I there. Maybe three years tops. So it was really, really a challenge, but it was, a, it was fun.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say too, and like I think for like today's wrestling standards, right? You have guys that are are doing like indies or smaller promotions, then they get you know go to AEW, WWE, and they've been in the business for you know 10, 15 years, stuff like that. Like for well, so for you. That, that initial stint in WCW, you go to Memphis, you have some other um, independents as well. How does that lead you back into WCW full-time?
1: That is probably one of the craziest stories you may ever hear. Um, there was a guy, Kemper Rogers, uh, was a production guy, and he was trying to um, – create a portfolio away from wrestling where he was trying to do videos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a call and said, hey, man, I want to put you and Mark Bagwell in a music video. Uh, could you get some time to come here? And he knew I was in Memphis for wrestling and that type of thing. He was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he just thought me and Marcus had a look and he just wanted to put us in a video together. And it was a, a video for an AHA song. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the song, but offhand, but... Uh, it ended up actually, when he put it together and everything, it played on MTV's Buzz Clips. And if anybody knows that MTV from those decades, they played music videos, not sure. the stuff they have now. <laughs> so sure. people are going, they played music videos? Whoever listens to this podcast is going to go, MTV did what? But yeah, <laughs> 20, 30 years ago, they played music videos on the thing. But the the way I kind of got, got back into WCW was Kemper was doing the editing and production of the video at the CNN Center using their their equipment stuff and uh, jimmy hart just happened to walk in and saw me and marcus there and the patriot had just split he was leaving the company sure and they put marcus i think with alex wright trying to do a tag team with him and it just they weren't clicking and um jimmy hart started he started thinking the fabulous ones you know steve kearns stan lane the fantastics rock-roll express these two young guys and 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 the next thing I know, um, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. At the day's end, my phone rings in the room. Phone never rings in the room, you know? So I answer it, and it's uh, Jenny Engel from WCW. She's like the head secretary. Mm-hmm. She's like, Scotty, how you doing? I'm like, Jenny, how are you? And she goes, well, we got, we got a couple ideas that we might bring you in as Bagwell's tag team partner. I'm like, do what? You know, I was like, where is where, this coming from? She's like, well, we saw this, we saw that, Jimmy Hart's this. Ideas started rolling and for um, the next three weeks, I kept getting a phone call every Tuesday. Actually, it was every Wednesday morning, I'm sorry, but every Wednesday, um, going, you know, we got an idea here, blah, 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 blah. okay, talk to you next week, okay, got an idea here, blah, blah. and it kept going, going, and then finally, about the third, fourth week, Kevin Sullivan's on the line. he goes, Kevin Sullivan wants to talk to you, I said, okay, and Kevin goes, Scotty, my boy, how are you? You know, I'm like, going, okay, Kev. He goes, uh, we want to bring you in, uh, it'll be the first week of August, I think it was, maybe the second week of August, we're going to do TV tapings in Orlando, we're going to fly you in, this, that, and the other, and the next thing you know, it just started rolling. Mm-hmm. And Marcus, I got into Atlanta on like a Thursday night, that Friday, me, Marcus hooked up, put together some outfits, and just tried to look good as best we could to, you know, throw something together, and... It just started right there it was a, just a bing bang boom our first match was against um uh bobby and steve regal the blue bloods mm-hmm. and they made me look like a 10-year veteran um savvy as all get out i mean they it was our trial match basically and we didn't know it i don't think they really knew it either but they just made me look like i knew what i was doing i had a clue you know <laughs> um, i had some experience i was ready for it and um Right after that match, uh, it was uh, Kevin pulled me aside, Jimmy pulled aside, aside. They were throwing more ideas at us and stuff like that. Kevin gave me a little guaranteed pay and stuff for the next 90 days and kept going with that. And that was my way in. It was a music video that had nothing to do with wrestling. That put me and Marcus together. Jimmy Hart saw it. And his mind went old school wrestling tag team. And boom, there we were, the American males
0: was that was that tryout match that you guys had was that the mall of america match like a dark match
1: uh no mall of america was actually um uh buckhouse buck and dick slater
0: okay okay
1: as we were there and that okay. was a 25 minute match that was this uh we had blast those guys but yeah it was just a time film match the, the crowd There, i think somebody else had a match also singles might have been alex or something i can't remember but um uh, the 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 blue Bucks was in Orlando. It was okay. the first match we did together as a tag team.
0: Sure, sure. Who was who who pitched you guys the the ideas of what the American males would be? Right, because that's definitely kind of like a I don't know if it's an '80s tag team, but you're at this point you're '95. But there's lots of teams from the past where I feel like you guys pulled some things from, but had your own spin on on it too. Who who pitched that idea to you guys?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. Uh... Jimmy had saw a magazine. I think it was called International Males, and it was kind of a real—trying to get the right way to put it, it. Was it was a fashion magazine for guys, but it was, had more of a uh, a gay tint to it, you know, type thing. Sure. And um, you know, it was real, real effeminate fashion stuff. I mean, he, but he saw the, the title of it, but he couldn't do international that was a trademark thing so he just went american males and it just kind of stuck it was jimmy's idea and but all the the outfits the suspenders the z Caparicci pants we put together um the couple other outfits were all our ideas that we kind of came up with collaborated together marcus had some great ideas because he was a fashion guy in a sense i was just blue jeans and a t-shirt dude but um he had a a much better idea for, for that type thing and we put it together and then like I said, the suspenders, Homeland the Yards really came across well. Uh we had chokers, we had earrings, we had all this stuff. It was like uh we get in the ring, we do our entrance, and all of a sudden we're doing taking all this stuff off. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick Patrick or the other and one of the referees go over there going, guys, I told you for you to hurry up. And <laughs> we're, we're trying to get off as quick as possible. Stuff. So yeah, way too much stuff. But that was that was part of it. back then that was Everybody wore too much stuff yes, at, a, at the start of everything. So it was, you know, we fit right in. <laughs>
0: right. I mean, that's that's what people tune in. They, they don't want to turn on the screen and always see somebody that looks maybe like they do, right? So it's like, it's got to be the over-the-top stuff is, it's always going to have a place in wrestling. That's for sure. Yeah, over-the-top
1: for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I know that some people, some people hate the song. I personally do like the song because I feel like once you hear that song, you know exactly who it is, who's coming down. What were your what was what was your initial reaction to hearing that the American Males theme song from the beginning?
1: <sighs> um, we were again we were getting ready to do our match with uh, with the Blue Bloods. We hadn't even heard anything yet ourselves. Jimmy walked in with a little CD player, a little boombox. He goes, here's your music, baby. Here's your music. And starts off with that yeah, yeah. And Jimmy's sitting there doing this number with us. And me, and Marcus is going, pretty good. It's pretty good." And then I was in "Here." American males, Amer- and me and Marcus, I swear to God, we both eyes wide wide open, looked at each other like, no way, in sense. and Jimmy's going, you hear it, baby? It's got some Devo to it, right? and, and he starts going into it, and then you hear, when you see I'm coming, you know, I hear that little deep voice to it, and we just kind of went, okay, you know, it started to kind of kick in a little bit, but it was definitely one of, the, it's one of those tunes that... Almost 30 years later, when you hear it now, you know it, it sticks in your head, mm-hmm. you can't get rid of it, and nobody, I don't think, ever had an idea that that tune itself would last. And it's, uh, everyone I hear about now, like you said, they either hate it, they love it, but it, it sticks with you. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, I mean, it's a cool tune to me.
0: Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that it's like, there's, I feel like there's no middle ground for people. They, yeah, they either love it or they hate no. it and um, yeah
1: it's like it's like the dallas cowboys like you're saying you can love them or you hate them there's no middle ground with the dallas cowboys it's the same thing with that american males soon because it stays in your mind you can't get it out and that's why people either either go with it and go yeah or they go ah and scream when that song is in your head but you know it was cheesy it's all get out but i mean the american males are cheesy if you ever remember when we marcus would do the, the forearm yes, bump yes we going, it ain't easy being this cheesy baby let's just do it though mm-hmm. And we we were cheesies all get out and it got over. Yeah, got cheesy over. It was was classic.
0: I think like I'm, so I'm, I'm 26 now. So I'm, I'm born in 97. So I missed a lot of this stuff growing up. So I've gone back and watched a ton of. Dude, I'm
1: cracking up. I mean, I'm twice your age. Yeah, I'm twice your age, dude.
0: I know I've missed, I missed a lot of good stuff, but I feel like I've went back to watch a lot of things. And you probably get this a lot from um, from fans and probably other wrestlers too, that when I first saw you for the very first time, the thing that stuck out to me was definitely the dropkick. Do you, do you get that a lot?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, that was one of the things I, I really, um, Brad Armstrong, believe it or not, a lot of credit goes to him. Uh, cause another little story that kind of got me started in WCW. Um, mm-hmm. I started working at main event fitness in Atlanta when I moved to Atlanta. And that's where all the wrestlers worked out, Lex, you know, ran the owned the gym and everything. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to DDP one day. And he uh, knew I was a worker, you know, a youngster type thing. So he was wanting to help me out a little bit. And he was like, let's go down to the power plant. And it's like an hour away it's from the south side of Atlanta. We were on the north side. And I said, dude, I got a friend of mine's got a ring in the back of his karate school. And he, I said, it's 10 minutes away from here. So I took him over there and let him see it. He was like, okay, we can use this. Next thing you know, the next day, Jake the Snake Roberts, Steve Regal, and Brad Armstrong is with them. We go back there and start working some stuff together. And Brad pulls me aside and, and is like, starts so working with me because he, he seems like i got some spring to me, so he starts working with me a drop kick. And just Brad taught me how the timing of it, the smoothness of it and everything. And so I just had natural leaping ability. I had to spring my step. But Brad taught me all the timing, all the the smoothness of it, and when to look for it. And then he taught me some psychology with it when to throw it, when to miss it. Uh, I I mean, certain times in the match, use it. But um, if it weren't for him, I probably would still have a good one, but it wouldn't, it'd probably be a little sloppy. I don't know. But but I give a lot of credit to Brad. So he just taught me a lot. You know, when you get somebody to invest in you a little bit, it's it's cool, it helps.
0: how, how common was it back in WCW at, you know, kind of towards that time where you would have people that would, you know, kind of help you along, help you out along the way, when you were kind of the new guy, maybe just coming in.
1: Um, I mean, it was rare to find guys who were in a wrestling business. Unfortunately, you have givers and takers, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I was blessed to have a few guys that didn't see something in me. So like, here's a youngster. He doesn't have an attitude problem. He's a pretty cool dude. And I think that helped out that I really wasn't obnoxious or a jerk, even though it was with Bagwell. Bagwell was a heat seeking missile. <laughs> and I I kind of got some heat by being with him, you know, so it was one of those things. But it was um, but it was, you know, just they they saw me again as just a youngster who wanted to learn. I was having a blast. Um, Arn Anderson uh always told me it was like anytime he saw, you know, like either him and Pillman or maybe it was him and Benoit or, or Flair working with a some match somewhere along the way. He was like, we knew we had a night off with you guys because you guys could work. You guys were good. You were, you were the hungry guy who wanted to keep learning. And that kind of made Marcus sharpen his stuff a little bit. So, um, we, 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 me and Marcus built off each other a lot. Again, I caught some of the heat just by being a partner, <laughs> but, um, uh, just guys at, at certain times are just really work with you. It's like, um, our first match, uh, really, for it was um, uh, Paul Brawl, 95. We worked the, the main event show with the Nasty Boys. Mm-hmm. And we started the match off, and Jerry Staggs locks me up, throws me in the corner, starts to hit me. 22 unanswered punches and kicks, live rounds. I'm going, bam, 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 bam. What the heck is going on? You know, he's boom, boom, boom. I mean, I'm I'm sure i had no clue. All and all I hear yelling, I'm welcoming him to the company. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I just, my head was throbbing already. But he told me afterwards, he goes, yeah, um, a couple of the guys, Arne and Kevin Self and Rick Flair buzzed me and said, light up the kid and see what he's got. You know, and um, it was a little test to see what would happen. And the fact that I took it and kept going and just acted like it didn't faze me, Jerry said, well, I went up to him afterwards and told him, the kid's good. He's good in my book. He took it like <laughs> a man and kept going. And so that was my way of uh, welcoming me to the company. But it was also a way of testing me a little bit, which was kind of cool to know that the, the older guys wanted to see what the youngster had. So I could take some shots and keep going in the match and not like lose my cool or anything. But I did catch him later with a drop kick right in the mouth. <laughs> that was the one thing I could do. You know, I could either put a drop kick in your chest or I could put it in your mouth, and I did catch him right in the mouth with it. And um, uh, I, I, we never really didn't talk about it, but I knew it yeah. when I hit him. But uh, he didn't like go, "Hey man, what was that drop kick for?" I, I knew what it was for, but it, you know, he just you no. Know, I just I was right, like, right. "Yay, got right in the bush. glory, <laughs> deep. It was good though.
0: And back at that time, and I, I've heard you talk about this kind of some over other interviews that you've done. Um, you traveled quite a bit with with Lex and Sting. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. How did you get How did you get linked up with those two guys?
1: uh, Marcus, uh of, of all again of all times. Um, the way it worked is kind of really goofy. Um, you know, the first Nitro, nobody knew Lex was there, and he was the big surprise guy that came through. Sting Lex and Sting going to gym together. When Lex was up in the WWF, Marcus and Sting became friends and were trained together, traveled together. So, and then all of a sudden I come in. So, you got me and Mark, Sting, and all of a sudden Lex comes up. So, there's already a threesome in the sense of Sting, Marcus, and Lex will be traveling together. I'm the Greenhorn rookie who, because of Dagger and Marcus, all of a sudden I'm traveling with two of the top names in business. Sting and Lex, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm driving everywhere. Um, I'm the you know I'm, I'm the guy boom, boom in directions online yards, and so that was my way of just becoming friends with him. And it took a little bit of time, but um, again, the, the the heat or the goodness of Marcus, you know, you, you take your balance with him being his partner and everything, and that was one of the the, the perks though being a friend of Marcus, being his acting partner and his friend was I got to be buddies with Sting and Lex. And we started playing golf together. We worked out together. We ate together. We stayed in hotels and stuff. And just was blessed to develop a friendship and, and travel with those guys. Mm-hmm. It was great. I didn't expect it. I mean, I told thing a funny joke about the, and it was like 1990 when I was playing college football, we had gone to the Omni to uh, watch the matches. A couple of us rode over there. And um, I had actually got Sting's autograph that night. Oh, nice. And here I am only a few years later, riding on the road with him. And I thought, I said, dude, uh, you want to hear a funny one? I said, I got your autograph a few years ago. And he started laughing because I would not have told me that story. <laughs> now I got ammo. He really didn't use it against me, but he could have. He could have pulled it out at some point and nailed me with it. But um, it was just, it was just one of those weird things in life where, you know, here I am also. I'm a total greenhorn. I'm with to the two of the biggest days of the business at
0: the time. Yeah, I think something that stood out to me from when I listened to a couple other interviews that you did, you shared a story. So I already know this one, but I, if, you, if you're if you okay with sharing it, I would like you to share it here just so anyone listening to this can see this or to listen to this too. So it was when I think it was you and Marcus were staying at a cheap hotel. Lex came in, saw where you guys were staying and said, you're not staying somewhere like this again. Um, and then there was the the condo that came after that.
1: Yeah. That was one of those times where uh it was it was the Orlando TV tapings and at one of the it was a days in I think it was mm-hmm. and it was like twenty five bucks a night for, for a room. So it was basically twelve fifty each is the, the, the deal they gave the wrestlers there. And Lex came to pick us up, take us to the gym. He walks in the door and goes, he looks around and goes I'm not coming to this hotel again. Pick you guys up, this, and you guys are not staying here anymore. So, the, you know, the very next trip we had, we stayed there at that time. The next month, when we went down there. I think it's every three months. He had booked. He got a three bedroom condo on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Sting stayed at the Marriott itself. Let's go to three bedroom condo, and he took care of it all because he's like, he goes, I'm not going to be seen at this place you guys are traveling with us, you're not going to be seeing this place either. So the next thing you know, we're seeing it's Lex being Lex, you know, and we just said, okay, we're all on for the ride. And I just, I was always a driver, so that was my thing. But, um, yeah, it was one of those deals where uh, um it, the funny thing about Lex is he was he, he was a giver, but he never, he came across so smug. And it was just him being him. But you step back and went, wow, is he doing this out of Or is he doing this because he doesn't want to be seen there?
0: Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, yeah. that was the thing. He, he, he could be either way with him. But, uh, but I think I mean, he was eating like this. You know, the, the first time I ate dinner with those guys, they ate fast, big bites. Da, 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 da. And I, I was a slow eater. And Lex was like, this kid, he can't make it with us. He ain't going to last. He, he's too slow, da, da, da and he is just pounding me. I'm going, <laughs> what the, you know, what I do, what, you know? And uh, Marcus is going like this, and then, trying well, Johnny be bad here, that's right, and they're all eating fast too, and I'm just sitting back going, I, I, I've already burned my bridges, you know. I, I didn't know what was going on, and about maybe 20 minutes later, Steve pulls me aside and goes, "Kid, you're good." I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, "Lex with me, it's Lex didn't like you." he wouldn't pick on you. He'd pick on you. He likes you. You're okay. You're, <laughs> you're good. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just, just drive. You'll be fine. So, but when he think he'll pull me aside, said, don't worry. You're okay. I was like, you yeah. know, it's one of those yeah. things
0: feeling good after that. Yeah, for real.
1: To... I was like, if, if it lets boot me out a the group, you know, when we're going to ride, when we're going to travel, you know, it's going to be lost, but yeah. it, was, it was just him ripping me, pounding me. It was funny.
0: And Lex is one of those guys too. Where I mean, I've never met Lex. So I've never had a, a good or bad experience too of what you know what he was like then versus what he's like now. Do you um, do you do you keep up with Lex at all at this point in time?
1: Yeah, I see. Um, you know, we, we text a lot, and okay. I'm in Atlanta right now, and he's just down the road. I just saw him at Russell Cage this past weekend. Where, sure. um, we we we. He was in Buffalo for a while, you know, up there with his family, stuff like that. I'm sure, you know, he had that stroke that he had that, stroke, he had that, that uh, paralyzed his body a little bit. Yeah. But um, we always would, uh, there's a couple guys, I've, again, I was very blessed mm-hmm. to Alex Price, the guy I keep in contact with, He though he's in Germany, mm-hmm. RBD, Bagwell, Steve Carino, Sting, and Lex there's six or seven guys i I keep in contact with on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and all throughout the years we've always kept in contact with a text message here a phone call there every couple months just to make sure we're all okay and stuff like that and again just on lex and uh he's like man we got to get together and do some lunch so um Mm -hmm. i think next week or the week after we're getting we'll sit down and have some lunch together just catch up and everything else so it's gonna be cool but again just very blessed with with some of these guys that uh uh, was I've been able to maintain their friendship, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, definitely. And you you mentioned and that is you, one of them. And you mentioned that you see Marcus, you know, quite a bit. He's done a lot of work in the last couple of years to you know make some changes, and that's been you know very public stuff. How was um, how are things going for Marcus?
1: He's doing really really good. Um, uh, we got some things in the works for uh, uh as doing the American Mails to do his uh, conventions and stuff like that. Sure. So it's going to be really cool to do because we haven't really done a whole lot of stuff together. He's always been buff, or I've done like Scotty Riggs with the American or just myself or like uh, uh, the Flock version of me with the iPad and stuff. Uh, but it's just the first time we, we've got some things coming up next year. We might even do, I think, uh, WrestleMania weekend as the American man up in Philadelphia. We've got some things in the works, which would be really cool. But um, he's doing really, really good. There's been a few things out there that says he's messed up, he's done this, but he's actually 15 months sober That's and awesome. just doing really, really well. So whatever, you know, there's some things that happen along the way that, but it has nothing to do with with uh, losing his sobriety. He's he's grabbed on to it. He loves being sober. He's happy, he's content and everything else. So uh, he's doing really good. It's, it's been good to be back around him for a while um, and just catching up and working out together. He helped me with my diet. I've helped him just with his encouraging with his sobriety. He's been a, a shoulder for him. He's been a, a, a guy like for me to get back in the gym, get back in shape again. And so um, it's just again good to have a friend. You know, we were cheesy back then. We're going to be cheesy now 50, <laughs> in our fifties. So it's good.
0: That's awesome. Um, so when when you and Marcus split. At that point, I'm not sure whose call that was. Do you feel like the American males at that point ran its course, or do you feel like there was a lot left for you guys to do at that point?
1: Um I don't know. I mean, there could have been a few more things that were going on because there were a few more teams that were come into WCW at the time. But we couldn't we kind of got a little lost in the shuffle of um what was going on. Was like Steiners were there, the road Warriors, all those guys. But um I know like Marcus had always been a part of a tag team for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And we kind of were doing the thing where we kept screwing up matches and somebody costing a win, somebody losing, you know, by being clutzes or things that are happening. They were trying to tell a a bit of a story of who is going to be the bad guy, who's going to turn, mm-hmm. who's going to do what. Mm-hmm. And nobody we were trying to make it so nobody knew. And um, uh, that's when all of the NWO stuff started with Holland Nash, and it was in, I'm pretty sure it was in Lakeland, Florida. Morgan's is sure it was Salisbury, Maryland and the Nitro, that uh, we were going out there and do some klutzy thing again with, I think, with him against Steve Regal. And um, that's when, uh, what was it, um, Bischoff did the uh okay, you know, thirty days to start.
0: Yeah,
1: during your contract over, or join us join the NWO type thing. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Nash and I said, Marcus, you want to join the NWO? And Marcus was like, Yeah. <laughs> and so we actually sat down and I said, Dude, and and I, again, we were best, we were really good friends then. I said, Dude, this is a chance for you to break free to do something. Completely different because he's already been there for a number of years mm-hmm. as this young baby face this that, and the other and he was getting in a bit of a rut even though he was in a tag team rut mm-hmm. and it was a, an opportunity for both of us because it, it gave us kind of a feud together and a chance for him to break out and that's kind mm-hmm. of what happened um Attention when he became Buff, you know, the, the funky funny thing is is he's known more for buff than anything else he's ever done. Even the Marcus Alexander Bagwell in the past yeah. kind of you know, that that got way left and now everybody knows him as Buff. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for a splitting, that would have never have happened. Mm-hmm. So I mean that to me, I'm thinking here's a great way that he got better in business. I got different experiences of business, too, out of that, and grew and in a character and had fun with doing a flock, and then my run the ECW, even when I left uh, WCW. So, um, i hard to say that we run our course, but it was also time for a change for us. It was, definitely was.
0: What are, what are your thoughts on the, like the the NWO kind of angle as, as a whole, obviously like business wise things went up at that point too. I know some guys in the past have expressed like frustration. If you weren't in the group, kind of how you were booked at that point, what were your thoughts on the NWO kind of as a whole?
1: Um, Dude, that completely changed the business in this sense for, at least for WCW and, mm-hmm. and even made uh, the um, WWF step up, you know, have to, you know, turn their stuff up and not Definitely. DX and everything. So everyone got really, really hardcore on their. We got to get this to the gun. And it was a, a huge park. Like when they jumped the all in the uh, uh, that parking lot um, wow. or the dressing room area, when Holland Nash was beating everybody up and they're like a third guy. guy got laid out. Marcus got laid out. Art Anderson got laid out. Rey Mysterio got thrown into the side of the right, trailer right, and stuff yeah. like that. And so that that was a big thing that nobody knew what was happening with the NWO and it was just a huge drama that the the, the the it just sucked people in. And so it was a great time to be a part of it. Um I saw it as a as a good thing because uh, it, it it just gave so much to what was going on there. Eyes tuned into us every week. More eyes were being tuned in us and it just business grew and Contracts got better. Everything got better for us. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see anything bad about it. And I gave him a Marcus turn that gave me a great angle with him. Mm-hmm. The first NWO sold out pay-per-view. Then we did a stat match afterward. And so it was something that, that made me get better. It made Marcus get better. And it, it just it made – I was a fan of it because it just made the business better. It made wrestling fun. We were having a good time with it. I saw guys who didn't like it because they were like, they want to either be a part of it or they wanted to be something in the mix and they weren't, there wasn't nothing for them. Mm-hmm. So there were some guys that were a little, you know, you're going to have that, unfortunately, but there's, you know, it's, it was, uh, it was a blast to me. It was fun.
0: So after you leave WCW and then get into ECW, how did that all take place? Was that from your like previous, you know, friendship with, with Rob? Cause you guys had worked together prior to that in like 90, I don't know if it's 93, 94, some, sometime around then I think, but
1: yeah. Um, me and Van Dam started wrestling some shows somewhere like uh my first wrestling match ever was February 6th of 1992 mm-hmm. and I was still in college. Uh, Just got done playing football, basically, and then graduating from college in April, uh, a few months later, and started wrestling and started getting booked on a few other shows. This time went on. That's when I met. My dad was like 93. Mm -hmm. And we just became instant friends. And he was really doing well in ECW at the time. I finished up with WCW and... They wanted to give me instead of putting me on a contract. They wanted to give me a nightly deal, and I was like, uh, "Well, how many? You know, what's the money? And how many dates am I guaranteed?" And they're like, "Well, here's your here's an X Y Z number for you, but we can't guarantee any dates." I'm like, "If you can't guarantee me at least 15 dates a month or 12 dates a month, it ain't worth my time." Mm-hmm. They're like, "Well, we, we we don't have a number for you." I'm like, "Well, then I'm out of here." Like, what? You don't want to be I'm like, I'm, you can't, if this company can't do something, I'm out of here. And it was about that time, um, ECW had come to Atlanta to watch the show at, at Center State. I, I was like, hey, come by. <laughs> so, uh, I went by there, was talking with him, Tommy Dreamer, and Dreamer was like, um, so you're done with WCW? Right? am like, yeah, and he goes, you want to come here? And I said, sure. And that was, it was that easy. Um, the next thing I know, uh, Paul Heyman calls me in his little office and says, Hey, uh going to get you a ticket. I want you in Philly in two weeks we're at the ECW arena. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, I started with, with ECW two weeks later. And it was crazy. I, I was like, boom, boom, right there. And Paul Heyman was the first guy to ever sit me down. He said, this is what we're going to do with you and Rob." We're gonna do bing bang boom. Uh and then I'm probably gonna have you turn on Rob. And and he he laid out about a, a six-month plan and with a little step here, a little step there, and it fell into place. I was in awe of Paul Heyman, his thinking, his creativity, and just he already had a, a game plan two weeks later for a six-month period with me. And he was like, dude, you can do that crap thing because that was the American Males. Yeah, yeah. The fans they were hate you for it and everything. And as soon as I started doing that, they hated my gut. And I would hear American Males stuff all the time. And these the fans, they were pretty rough. Yes. But you know, I was in an institute with Van Dam. I just had fun. Steve Carino was a partner, Jack Victory, Rhino. Uh, and it was just one of those things where it just Everything is boom, fell in place. Kind of like in in WCW, I'm looking at things fell into place with Marcus and all we clicked in the ring, had a great chemistry as a tag team. We had great chemistry against each other and then transitioned to ECW. I've been working with Rob Vietnam for years already beforehand. So we already had an instant chemistry together as a friendship thing, and then as a as as opponents. Mm-hmm. We already knew each other, could trust each other and have fun in the ring and do things that are a little different. And it just happened. It was my, my career has always been that way. It's been something good, something good. It just happens and clicked. So it was kind of a blessing for that way. So ECW was the same thing. It just, it, it's, it's hard to explain. It just fell in place. And Paul Heyman, again, a lot of credit because to that guy. Because he pulled me aside. He said, Nobody else in WCW ever did this. But he pulled me aside. And says, the next six months is going to happen this way. And they did. I couldn't believe it. So match for
0: years. <laughs> no, it's pretty crazy that you said that there's some parallels there, like with, with WCW and like, yes, you, got, you and Marcus Click win the tag titles like pretty soon into your guys' run. And then if you're down in ECW, right, you're setting up the angle where, you know, you cost Rob the, the title after like a two-year reign and people were so into that run for him as the TV champion. Yeah. So then you guys have the big pay-per-view match. Things really did line up for you well. And what, what better way could you come into a company than – with rob
1: i know i mean that was uh i mean he was one of the top guys and for me to get steam on him because it basically cost him a match jerry lynn of all people you know he had a big long feud with jerry and jerry never got the win over him and because of me turning around and pushing him off the top of the, the the turnbuckle he hit the floor boom throw him in there and it was one of those deals where like nobody could believe that, that jerry finally beat rob and everything else so i was going like I was sitting there gloating, going, "Yeah, I ripped my shirt and all this stuff and everything." And, and so it was—it was instant. I, I, again, I got instant heat because being from WCW yeah. and being the American male to an ECW crowd, they hated me This from the American male thing. And it just—and then with Rob, it just melted into a big pot of it. "Let's go!" You know, it was fun.
0: And it's kind of like. I'm not sure if you're um, keeping up with like what uh, Matt Cardona is doing now, kind of with when he's going to GCW, which is, you know, it's not ECW, but it's got some of those same vibes and he's kind yeah. of the, the ex WWE guy too. So I, I kind of see there's a little bit of a parallel, but you did that right, 25 years ago with, and I feel like those fans are so similar to and Yeah. They, they, yeah. they did not like you in ECW. That was, that was, that was some good stuff.
1: Matt, Matt's got that, um, I talk to him every now and then. He's a, he's a good guy. We, we aren't like best of friends, but we know each other well mm-hmm. enough that we talk here and there. And he just, I told him pretty much the same thing. I said, dude, you've latched on to something as, mm-hmm. you know, where you get major heat, major steam by being the ex-WWE guy, mm-hmm. you know, and and using that in a sense. And, and he just has fun with it. And he loves being the he's seeking missile himself and just getting so much raw just mm-hmm. emotion towards him and we can when you can get that that's uh, when you get that um that power and sense that you can draw that emotion from people it's it's a gift and he's developed it and he's grown into it and he's having fun. He says man I love this man it's a blast and he's doing pretty really, really well so it's like dude run with it run with it he is. And it is kind of a thing that we did, but, um, uh, it's a lot of old things always become new. Cause you know, you, you see, something from years ago that nobody does. You draw it into it now and make it part of you. And fans are like, we've never seen that. And it's like, yeah, we have, we didn't know it yet. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, how much at this point are you, are you keeping up with, with, uh, current wrestling at this point?
1: Um, I have fun watching some of the stuff. Uh, yeah. WWE I uh, got some, some talented guys. I mean, it's incredible. I'm I what Cody's doing there. Yep. I talked to him not like too long ago. I was like, dude, it was so fun to watch you when you when you left there. I said, man, you went to New Japan. You worked in these here New Japan and New York. You were just having a blast mm-hmm. wrestling and perfecting your stuff. And then when you come back there to WWE. You knew who Cody Rose was, you knew how to master it, and AEW is run there. Mm-hmm. You just created a whole new thing. He was like, Exactly. And he goes, I'm having fun, I'm in control of everything, I understand everything the business now better. And it's, it's a major production up there, is the one thing that's different. Yeah. They are a TV show about wrestling,
0: yes, yes,
1: and. Yeah, I mean that's. But this, their production is amazing. But I also like watching AEW, even though they they bleed a little too much for my liking. And you know when you bled, you know a lot of blood and stuff, a lot of blood and guts. That bleeding, it, it, when it's properly, it meant something. I mean a blood you, you know that type of thing. Now it's like every week somebody's bleeding. It's going, ah, come on guys, that's a little too much. But their wrestling is is they focus more on the wrestling. Aspect of it to me, I enjoy that. So there's, if I want to watch a TV show, I will watch WWE. Sure. If I want to watch the wrestling, I watch AEW. Sure. And you know, it's it's fun. It's like I like uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Diana Perazzo and Impact. Yeah, yeah. She's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen, and I just enjoy watching her doing her submission things, her, her chain yeah. wrestling. But, I mean, there's little differences along the way. That you find some talent, and you just go, man, they do. I love what they're doing. Yeah. And there's some other talent, you go, that's way, I, that's not even cheesy enough to be like the American male. You just <laughs> go, oh, what are they doing? You know, but it's a blast, though. You know, I get entertained by it.
0: Yeah, and it's. I think it's a. I mean, there's. I think at this point, there's we're kind of to a point where there's lots of options again. Where it's not just okay. It's not just WWE. Like, yeah, you've got AEW, you've got Impact, you've got New Japan. I feel like American fans are more up to date on what's going on and you know, some of those other places as well. So I feel like it's a fun time and we're starting to see more jumping back and forth, which I feel like as a fan is always fun. And I feel like when you can tell the the guys and girls are having fun, like as a fan, that's something that's like, that comes across the TV set where it's like, okay, these people are enjoying what they're doing. This <laughs> makes me more into it for sure.
1: Hey, when, when you love what you're doing, it, it, it shows through. Like I, I was having fun, like w- with me and Marcus as a team. But when we started wrestling against each other, that was a lot more fun that we had because uh, um, we actually created that blockbuster finish the night of the sold out pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, he was they were one. He was wanting to do something like Rick Rude, Rude Awakening, Neckbreaker, and uh, I came up with it. I said, dude, "Do not you do this? We can be fighting on you know in the ring, go up top, do this." And you can do it off the top rope, where it's almost like a flying flip into a rude awakening, which is what it ends up being like a, a neck breaker. Yeah. And we actually did it in the hotel room from one bed to the other, where you oh, flipped over and caught me okay. with it. And that's kind of how we put it together at, in the hotel room. And um, the funny thing is, I, I didn't remember this, but uh, we were talking the other day. I was like, dude, you know, Disco Inferno actually named the name, gave it, gave it the blockbuster name. And I forgotten that I was like, yeah, that's right, where it came from. So I created the move, he gave it the name, Mark perfected it, and it's incredible to watch. Twenty-five years later, guys are using it now. It's still oh, called yeah. a blockbuster. A move that we created is being used, it's still being used now. It's kind of like Dick Snake creating DVT. Yeah. You know, so to be a part of something like that. Put a little bit of history it's just really cool to look at it now.
0: That's and...
1: Really- and it's just, like I said, guys having fun with it, guys enjoying it, and, and it shows to people, whether you're watching it on TV or you're watching in the backside. When guys are having fun out there, it, it just it gives them great energy that the fans, they get involved into it.
0: Definitely. Well, Scotty, you've been very gen- generous with your time. I want to make sure I, I uh, get you out of here at a decent hour. But before we go, where can, where can people find you? And um, whether you've got conventions coming up or things on Twitter or pro wrestling teas, anything like that, where can people find you and support you? Is it Twitter
1: or is it X now?
0: You're right. You're right. X. I'm, no, I'm not used to, I'm not used to he, saying it. I'm,
1: I'm, not, I'm not used to it either. Cause everybody I know still calls it. Hey, you on Twitter? Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Real Scotty Riggs. And that's what I spend most of my time. throwing. So my my Dallas Cowboys or wrestling or something here and there. Uh um, I got Instagram, which is also real Scotty Riggs. And I'm not a big picture taker, but I'm trying to do a few more things in there and have a little fun with it. But um uh that's pretty much my social media and when, when things are coming up convention-wise, like I said, we just did uh I just did a big event in New York a couple weeks ago and just did the thing for a this past weekend. And work on a few more things for the start of next year. So uh, just look at me on my Twitter, or my Twitter, my ex, Real study Riggs, <laughs> and you'll get the uh, the the layout of what we got. Play, what we got set up. Like I said, Mark is the for trying to get the American males out there a little bit more and have a little fun with that. Um, get the fans that that uh, that song will get stuck in their head, <laughs> and you know, get get out there and and, and redo it because it's been. I had about a 10 to 12 year lay out lay in between what I've just done now. <laughs> and so it's going to be fun to get back out there and be seen again and have fun with it again. So, uh, you yeah, just keep up with my Twitter and you'll see where we're going to be soon.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, um, Scotty for taking the time to do this interview. It was a real pleasure to meet you and I wish you, uh, wish you guys all the best.
1: Matthew is a blast brother. And I'm still tripping out. You're, you're, like, you're half my age. You're 26, you know, right? 26, right? 26, 26,
0: older, yeah. 26.
1: Yep. 26. 26. I mean, I'm 56 years old. You know, I'm an, old, I'm an older cat. I'm 56, but you know, I at least still got the guns going. So I was going to mention that uh-huh.
0: earlier. You look like, you don't look like you're 56. You're in, you're in really good shape, man.
1: Well, I mean, the, the crazy thing is um, up here in Atlanta working out with Marcus Uh, like we've actually been working out four or five times a week together doing some cardio and just trying to get back in shape to to breathe to you know look like the American males again in our 50s but but you know, be in good shape and everything do these conventions and stuff um and uh I've been doing a few things with Dallas get my flexibility get my body shape again and it's just been a blast to get healthy again and uh in my fifties and feel good. Uh just turning back the hands of time, you know, uh, RVD and I keep in contact a lot and just uh, inspire each other, to do some things along the way. And uh whether it's empty stomach cardio first thing in the morning, um just a little thing. I challenge Rob, you know, he's up in, in Las Vegas, I'm in Atlanta. We always weird hours texting or our phone call I'm like, dude. This and he's like, Well, you try this, and you try, you know, we go back and forth, and we, we have fun with it. We're older now, so we're trying to figure out how to stay a little bit younger without being uh the idiot younger, you know, go out and do a stupid stuff, but be the productive younger. And my body's pretty much responded fairly well, I couldn't believe it, you know. So it, it's it's uh it's fun to be around Marcus again, it's great being around DDP and, and the guys, and just uh. Instead of going out and being idiots partying, we're going out and being idiots
0: by working out. Hey, there you go. That's
1: so a good at 56, switch. 56, you know, 56, yeah, if switch around and put through there, we're, we're just getting great shape out at our age. And just having fun with it again. It's making life good. So, yeah, um, got the guns back. So I can't, I'm not going to complain. You know, got a few people going, Dang on, Greg, you'll be good. I shaved my beard off. Holidays came around. And uh, I change it very often. Everyone's going, dude, you look 10 years younger if I get rid of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a trip. You know, being about back in Atlanta and a few things here, a few things there. And hopefully, um, uh, where, where are you located at, Matthew?
0: So, I'm, I'm Minnesota originally, but now I live in Fargo, North Dakota. So, I don't know if you've ever been to Fargo, but that's where I'm at.
1: Uh, we, we had a couple of, uh, I think we did a night show in Fargo and we ended up to uh, uh, give you a quick story about Fargo we're getting out of there that next morning there's two flights one at 7am one at and one at 9am and both of them are oversold and so uh, they were getting delayed, getting delayed so we ended up driving Fargo to Minneapolis to catch a flight to get home mm. uh, it was like a two hour drive to, to Minneapolis I think it was in Fargo and so we basically went to I think it was called an alligator grill um, was the name of the, the bar, Alligator or something, and I had a blast eating some food, drinking some beer in Fargo. And so Fargo was a pretty good town. They a good wrestling town. I had a blast there. But I think I've only been there once. And once was enough. Once was enough. <laughs> yeah, once yeah. was enough. I, I can guarantee you that. Real but rough winters. To say, you, never, you, you never know where, uh, where a convention might be along, in the future along the way. I'm, I was trying to think, maybe we can be some way that can bump into in real life. But um, I don't know if too many conventions in Fargo.
0: No, but. I mean Minneapolis. You ever in Minneapolis? You let me know because I'll. That's that's a that's a realistic drive for me.
1: There you go. There you go. We'll, we'll, we'll keep up with my Twitter if we do. You know, I'll be I'll be going Matt. You know, Matt, look at this uh, Minneapolis brother. You know, so look for it. Look for it. if it happens. You know, I'll let you, I'll definitely let you know. But um, we're working on a few things to get out there, so it uh, it will it'll be. Uh, like I said, I know we're, we're working on a few things before it, even at WrestleMania, that long week they have out there to do conventions and stuff. That will be a blast to do. Um, so uh, just be on to look out for it. And uh, it was definitely a blast talking to you, Matt. Um, you, again, you're half my age, and you, <laughs> you actually knew some stuff of my past. So I appreciate you kind of digging in there to make our conversation good. It was cool
0: absolutely no i appreciate it yeah it's something i um you know there's lots of good wrestling now but I, I do like a lot of the wrestling from the past so um i already knew a lot of stuff about you but i had to, you know research a couple things here and there but um again honored to have you on and thank you very much for taking the time
1: man it was definitely a blast talking to you dude very cool awesome thanks
0: scotty